Hi, I'm Michael Cashew. And I'm Adi Cashew, and you're listening to The WAG Podcast. This podcast is about health, wellness, and personal development. Each episode is a short conversation between Adi and I on a single topic with actionable steps. We cover everything from food, mindset, fitness, and relationships. We started WAG because of the way health and fitness changed our lives, so we hope to share a tool or two that helps you along your way. Hey, before we get the show started, we have a quick message for you. Adi and I are doing something brand new called the five-day art of coaching challenge. So if you are wanting to become a nutrition coach or you just want to fast track your progress as a nutrition coach, this is for you. This will help you overcome imposter syndrome. It will help you build skills to enroll and build trust with your clients, and it will help you build confidence in your abilities really, really quickly. Yeah, if you're the kind of coach who just has a bit of fear and something stops you from taking action to actually start coaching people, like you're nervous about if you're not getting people results or making mistakes, or maybe you need feel like you need a bunch more certifications before you need to get to actually start coaching people, this challenge is for you. Because by the end of the five days, you are going to be able to push those fears aside and actually get out there. It starts on January 7th, and you can go to workingagainstgravity.com forward slash art of coaching to sign up. Here's how it works. For five days, you're going to get an email from us with some homework, and then Adi and I are hosting a live webinar at the end of the day that we're going to go over this and give you some uh, some time to really practice these new skills that you're learning. And if you don't have time to make the webinar, then we're going to email you a recording of it. Yeah. And it's going to be really interactive calls. There's going to be opportunities to practice and hone in your art of coaching, which you're going to be learning on in that process. Uh, and we're going to be there to help you and support you and be more hands-on with you. The specific topics that we're covering are one, lacking confidence and overcoming imposter syndrome, two, getting commitment versus motivation with your clients, three, how to help clients build a habit, four, how to build trust with your clients, and five, how to manage your own emotions as a coach. In general, why we're going over the art of coaching is that so many people focus solely on the science and there's so much free information out there. If information alone were all that we needed to be healthy and be fit, then there would be no obesity in the world. And so obviously it's not a knowledge or an information problem. It's the how we get communicate, uh, how we communicate with people and how we get that information across, how we communicate with them in a way that actually gets them to stick to the program that is the art of coaching. And right. that is what we're honing in yeah. this challenge. The art of helping you build trust with your clients so that they can actually follow your advice, that they trust you enough and you've built enough rapport that they know that you're, they can count on you and they know that you're going to be leading them in the right direction. We wanna help you be able to communicate in a variety of ways to be able to meet your clients where they are at instead of just you know hitting your head against a wall saying the same thing over and over again. Um, and there are, these are just a couple of the ways that we're going to be helping you in the art of coaching. So we would love for you to join us in this five day challenge, go to workingagainstgravity.com forward slash art of coaching. And it starts on January 7th. Yeah. Let's get on that new year energy. Hey, Michael. Hello. Welcome back. Today we're talking about the dreaded plateau. 
something that nobody enjoys, everyone hates, but is kind of inevitable. We're going to talk about what to do when you hit a plateau. And this is going to be directed more so from the perspective of a coach towards a client. But if you are a client and you don't coach people, or you're just somebody who experiences plateaus in your life, which is probably everybody. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely everybody. Then just take the perspective <clears throat> of you are coaching yourself. Mm-hmm. So use the strategies and just give use it like kind of as a thinking experiment mm-hmm. of can I answer these questions for myself um, and how can I coach myself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you haven't hit a plateau, then maybe your goal is like more of a moderate one. But I think I've talked to you about motor learning and plateaus before, right? Well, so the way me. that the way that it works like how we learn how to move and how we how we grow is we tend to think of growth as being a completely linear thing like from down to up but really how it works is when we're a beginner we're we make quick jumps and have like short plateaus then the longer we do anything we take a little jump And then the plateau gets longer and longer. So after we've been doing something for a year, two years, five years, 10 years, the vast majority of our time is actually in a plateau. For sure. And then we make this tiny little jump. Which is kind of interesting because we have a five-month-old baby. And so he's in the like short plateaus, big jumps right now. Very few plateaus. Yeah. (laughs) And right now, I feel like he goes to sleep and he wakes up and we're like, how can you sit up on your own? He's now he's sitting up and he's using his arms on the ground and he can kind of hold himself up. And that just kind of like happened out of nowhere. But we're as human beings, like eventually we figure out how to walk and jump and do all those things. And we're like pretty much in a plateau unless we're pushing. Mm -hmm. So plateaus are inevitable as we just talked about. And Michael kind of just, you just gave a really good explanation as to what's going on. It's just the body takes time to adapt and grow. And the closer, I feel like the closer you get to a goal or the further along you are, like if you're five years, 10 years into something, the slower the progress is going to be, which is exactly what you were just talking about. And an example, a lot of people that are listening to this or probably have done some type of weight training before. And when you're weight training at the beginning, you can make like five pound, 10 pound jumps in your lifts. Like your deadlift can go up five and 10 pounds every single time you lift. Every time you max out, you're hitting a Yeah, and you're like, just like, whoa, this is never gonna end. And then you hit this point where most like women and men hit like a similar number type of plateau. And to get beyond that, it's like two pound gains or five pound gains every year. When I was at my peak in training for Olympic weightlifting, I would even be happy if I could go to the gym and I could hit 90% of my best ever. That was a great training session because I was just in a perpetual plateau for years and years. If I put two kilos on one of my lifts... That was an amazing progress. And I probably wasn't even going to hit that weight again for another few months right. because it just, that's just how it works. Yeah. I could not be a competitive weightlifter. Yeah. That sounds so boring. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's very exciting when you hit something. Yeah. 
And I mean, I think nutrition and losing weight is sometimes like that. Mm. And it is kind of boring and it is kind of mundane. And in order to get results, you have to be committed to it long term. And that's probably exactly why you don't want to be a weightlifter is exactly why people struggle with their diet and nutrition is because it is boring and mundane and it takes like a super long term commitment to maintain your success Mm. and even sometimes achieve your goal in the first place. So knowing how to get through a plateau as a participant in a diet as a coach is absolutely critical because every person you work with or every diet you try to follow, you're going to hit that that point. Mm-hmm. So knowing how to get through this without get, giving up is crucial. Yeah. The key is to not give up. The only way you're not going to achieve your goal is if you stop trying. That is the number one way to not achieve something. Um, so let me just talk in this context of what a plateau actually is in regards to nutrition and your diet. For in my experience, a plateau is when you have a client who's no longer progressing towards their goal for a span of four weeks or longer. Nutrition is like a day in, day out thing. And it's more about trends over time versus day to day progress. So if for four weeks or longer, you're not, you're in a phase where you should be seeing results and you're not actually seeing anything happen. Example, you're hoping to see weight loss. You've seen no weight loss, or maybe you've even seen weight gain. Then this means that your client could potentially be in a plateau. I also want to stress that it also means that as a coach, making adjustments or changes to the nutrition plan should be a patient thing to do because there are you you can't be 100% sure if what you're seeing is a plateau or there's something else going on and the body takes time to adapt to changes so this 4 weeks or longer strategy is really important when mm-hmm. working through a plateau if whether it's you who's experiencing the plateau or it's a client that you're working with experiencing the plateau all of this takes time. Mm-hmm. So how does a coach know for sure if someone is a in a plateau and if they determine that they are in a plateau, how do you get through it? So let's talk first, like, are we actually in a plateau? So a couple things to think about is as a coach, I want to become a detective and I want to search for every little thing that the client could be missing with the caveat of you are not accusing the client that they're doing something wrong. So I'm going to be looking, has this client become more flexible? Meaning anytime you start something, your motivation is super, super high and you're going to stick to it really, really closely. And then as you get more comfortable with it, as you've gotten a little bit of results, you kind of loosen the reins a little bit. That's just like a natural thing that all people do. I recently started a skincare routine that's like, in the morning and in the evening. And some nights now, I mean, for the first six to 10 weeks, I was like on it. I did every single piece of, yeah, like I did every single piece of the skincare routine and I didn't miss a single day. And now like if it's late and I don't want to do all the pieces of the nighttime routine, like I'll ease up on a couple of pieces and only do like one, Mm -hmm. you know? So that happens naturally with everyone. You know, you get into training or you get into your rehab for an injury. At first you're like, I'm on it. I'm going to do every single piece of my rehab. And then you're like, I'm just going to like, I feel better. So I'm not going to do all of it. I'm just (laughs) going to do some of it. So it is possible that your client has just started to be a little bit more flexible. They've gotten a little bit of results. They feel more comfortable in their skin. They're happy with some of their weight loss. They're more comfortable with 
tracking their food and they're just like, mm, I'm going to have a bite here. I'm going to have a bite there. Oh, it's like, you know, 30 grams, but I'm going to log it as 25. Like, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If, if, and if you take, if the handful that you take is small enough, it doesn't actually count. <laughs> and so you could do like 15 to 30 of those per day. Yeah. What, uh, I have a client, Amy Everett, and she uh, used to send me a video of her measuring one chocolate chip at a time. <laughs> and it doesn't register on the scale <laughs> as even one gram. So she goes, if I eat one chocolate chip at a time, then it doesn't count because it never even reached a gram. So uh, not true, but funny nonetheless. Uh, so I think that's one way and a way to figure that out. I think I would be like really tentative and asking questions to your client like, hey, explain to them this concept that we do become more flexible as we become more comfortable with things and ask, you know, does that resonate with you? And if it doesn't resonate and let them know like, if that doesn't resonate with you, then I'll start searching for something else. I just want to make sure that that's not what's happening here. Mm. And you can explain like you do that in your life in lots of different things. Right. So just to be non-judgmental about it. I would also look for, are there any big events or changes that have happened in their life? Like a divorce or something really stressful, or maybe they have this like new commute that they're spending a lot of time sitting in the car. I had a client once who she, she all of a sudden had this new job that was an hour and a half away. So she was sitting in the car for three hours a day and like it was really stalling progress. And it could mean that maybe her like exercise had gone down or just her daily act, regular activity mm -hmm. um, that changed a lot. So has there been anything, a big trip, a vacation, or I don't know, anything that's big or significant that has changed? Because that might actually mean it's not necessarily a plateau, but that something has a, needs to adjust in the program. And then lastly is about food choices. On one hand, people could be eating something new and kind of weighing it or measuring it wrong. Mm -hmm. And on the other, they might be eating something that just has a different physiological response in their body, like they're retaining more water or they're having an inflammatory inflammatory response, <laughs> <laughs> inflammatory response um, or something like that. Yeah, I've had some examples or like maybe somebody's eating out more often. Um, they were at first cooking all their own food and then they're feeling more confident and being able to estimate. So they're now eating out at restaurants more often or they're drinking more alcohol. I had a client one time who she was counting all of her cooked sweet potatoes as raw. And there's a huge difference between a raw sweet potato weight and it cooked because it then has water in it and it's much heavier. So the heavier amount, she was counting it as if it was raw. And there's like, I think it's like, a hundred grams of carbs off every time or something crazy like that. And you were lying and embellishing. I am probably embellishing. Probably I just do off. that kind of often, <laughs> but she was having sweet potato every single day and being making a big difference, which was really like, it was actually making enough of a difference to then when we adjusted it, it got us out of what was seemed like Boom. plateau. Yeah. So those are like some ways to discover whether you are in fact in a plateau or not. And I would start there because that's just an easier place to start. Mm -hmm. It's an easier place to start. And then the other things that we're going to talk about are like when you're actually in a plateau, what types of changes and strategies you can try. But discovering if you're going to make these changes when someone's not actually in a plateau, then you're they're not going to work. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to be frustrated. Mm -hmm. So I would first and you find could out. be hindering their progress. Yeah. And they're going to get frustrated. They're going to get frustrated too. More frustrated than you because it's actually them and their bodies. Right. So, so what do you do once you determine it is a plateau? 
So let's say you have a client who's been in a plateau for a while. They've been dieting for a really long time. Let's say they've been dieting for 12 weeks or longer and they've lost a good bit of weight for whatever their goals are. I would consider taking a break from dieting altogether. That doesn't mean like hardcore just stop and they can eat whatever they want because that could be triggering to some people to some extent. But I would consider, you know, taking a break and moving this person back up to what their maintenance calories would be or maybe even a little bit more for to help with metabolism, to give them a mental break, to, you know, get people back to a place where they're eating more food so you can cut things back down again. Um, Taking a break in general is going to be a good thing because your body's going to adapt to the lower amount of calories and it's going to expend less energy and it's going to just like, it, it is very smart machine that figures, oh, I'm only getting this much energy. I'm therefore only going to spend this much energy and you need to spend more energy than you consume in order to lose weight. So there's adapt- adaptations that are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so taking a break can be a really good thing. And one thing with this to keep in mind though, is that your client actually may gain some weight back if you build the calories back up and take this break. A great way to keep your client motivated is to give them the full picture. And this doesn't mean you're taking steps back. The ultimate goal in dieting and weight loss is to make a lifestyle change that you maintain this weight loss long-term, right? Like I think everybody wants that. I want to lose weight and I want to keep it off. And then ideally not have to think about it very much. Right. So taking a break, yes, you could gain some weight back, but Explaining how this is part of the process is really important. So let's say you have a client who's lost 20 pounds and they have 50 pounds that they want to lose. You realize they're in a plateau and they're not making any more progress. And so you want to take them on a diet break. And they've already went from like, they were started at 2,100 calories. Maybe they go down to 1,700 calories. And you're like, okay, 1,700 calories is on the lower end for this person. I don't want to take them lower. Let's take a diet break and we're going to move them back up to 2000 calories and you slowly start maybe 10% at a time. You start increasing their calories till they get to 2000 and then you stay there for a little bit. Mm -hmm. They, in that process, they gain back five pounds. So now they have a total weight loss of 15 pounds, but they've still lost 15 pounds. Mm -hmm. Like that's still awesome. They've also maintained that 15 pound weight loss throughout this entire process. And now you've worked their calories back up to a more sustainable place where you can enter a dieting phase again. And this whole process is going to ebb and flow. If you want to keep the body healthy, keep the body working properly to avoid, you know, major hormonal changes where women, we've seen lots of women that are eating like, you know, 1100 calories or less for sustained periods of time. And that can really mess you up. So is this analogy good? It's basically like I, I tend to think of metabolism, like a fire and the higher our metabolism, the bigger that fire is. And sometimes by being in a deficit calorie deficit for long enough, our fire kind of goes down. And what we're really doing here by eating more is we're turning that metabolism back on. Then we can get back into a deficit and we can start losing again and you know, go further than where we plateau. Yeah, hundred percent. And then when we, let's say we're back up to 2000 calories and we start bringing things back down in that next phase, we lose another 15 pounds and then we're 35 pounds or, um, 30 pounds down total towards that 50 pound goal. And that's like being able to maintain that loss. If you talk to the person originally with 50 pound weight loss goal, if we could, you know, take a 30 pound loss that you could sustain, would you take it? Of course they would. Or would you prefer- I'm all or nothing. 
would you prefer a 50 pound loss that you're going to gain it all back? You know, like everyone's going to choose the former. Most people are going to choose the former. So educating people on what that actually means. So taking a diet break is one amazing strategy. Another big one could be changing up your fitness. So a lot of times uh, fitness and nutrition go hand in hand. And what is, you know, one of the things propelling people forward towards their body composition goals is fitness. But over time, we hit plateaus in our fitness and doing the same amount of work is no longer getting the response because we've hit a plateau just like you you could in your nutrition. So one thing you could do could be changing it up completely. So if you're doing weightlifting, you could do something like CrossFit or powerlifting or just running, or you could just add a little bit of extra cardio uh, or something different. Yeah. And sometimes too, you're like not enjoying what you're doing in fitness anymore. So you're not pushing as hard as you used to and the intensity goes down. Also, what I've seen too with fitness is somebody who maybe doesn't have like a ton of body weight to lose. They're at a place where they still want to see changes in their body. And maybe it's actually the fitness that can mm-hmm. be getting them the results versus, you know, continuing to get leaner and leaner. It, yeah. They might actually get leaner and not like the way that they look if they don't change their fitness at the same time. Like we have a couple of friends that are like on the, that are thinner, that are already thin, like I wouldn't encourage this person to lose weight, but they really want to get results. So they're like, they think they need to lose weight in order to get like that, that like toned body that they're looking for, but they really just could work out and Mm -hmm. lift some weights and change that way. So, um, and they'd get, they'd see some really great changes. And then lastly, if nothing is working, you, you have a client who's hitting a plateau. You've tried all these things. You've taken a break from dieting. You've encouraged them to change their fitness. You've looked at all their logs. They're, they're tracking everything perfectly. I would just be honest and let your client know that you are also frustrated, that you cannot understand what is going on. And sometimes just the validation, like a client hearing that they're validated and that this is hard and this is frustrating can kind of help them relax and any tension that they've been feeling of like, I should be getting better results or I, this should be working better. I'm trying absolutely everything. And they feel like they're kind of alone in that. Mm -hmm. Just being on their team and being like, Hey, you are working your butt off and you're trying so hard. And, and I've, I, I'm, I'm out of strategies and I just like also am super frustrated with why we're not getting through this plateau. And I am here for you and I still want to show up every single week and to, you know, just like figure out a way and maybe we just have to be patient and we have to wait. Being honest can often keep a client with you and also um, stop them from maybe just like jumping from diet to diet to Mm -hmm. diet where Mm -hmm. I feel like somebody might be so frustrated that they'll go to some like drastic strategy that ultimately is going to get them short-term results, but maybe not be a great decision long-term. That seems like such great advice and something that coaches, leaders, et cetera, try to avoid at all costs saying, I don't know, but it makes sense that that would, that could lead to more trust than just about anything because people, you know, they can sense when you're, when you don't know what you're talking about and that can really break trust. I like that. Yeah. And so just to summarize, let's talk about what we do if somebody is in a plateau or we think they're in a plateau or they think they're in a plateau or you think you're in a plateau. (laughs) First, you want to find out, are you in fact in a plateau? Then uh, some strategies that you can try if you have discovered that that is true is to try a diet break. You can also change up fitness and 
The third is to just be honest that you're not sure what's going on and you're committed to figuring it out. Rad. Thank you, Adi. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us. Stay in touch by signing up for our newsletter at workingagainstgravity.com or on Instagram at workingagainstgravity. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and refer a friend. We'll be back next week with another episode. Talk to you then.